0: Amending the Constitution. The procedure for amending the Constitution is outlined in Article 5. The process is overseen by the Archivist of the United States. Between 1949 and 1985, it was overseen by the Administrator of General Services, and before that by the Secretary of State. Under Article 5, a proposal for an amendment must be adopted either by Congress or by a National Convention, but as of 2020 all amendments have gone through Congress. The proposal must receive two-thirds of the votes of both houses to proceed. It is passed as a joint resolution, but is not presented to the President, who plays no part in the process. Instead, it is passed to the Office of the Federal Register, which copies it in slip law format and submits it to the states. Congress decides whether the proposal is to be ratified in the state legislature or by a state ratifying convention. To date all amendments have been ratified by the state legislatures except one, the 21st Amendment. A proposed amendment becomes an operative part of the Constitution as soon as it is ratified by three-fourths of the states, currently 38 of the 50 states. There is no further step. The text requires no additional action by Congress or anyone else after ratification by the required number of states. Thus, when the Office of the Federal Register verifies that it has received the required number of authenticated ratification documents, it drafts a formal proclamation for the archivist to certify that the amendment is valid and has become part of the nation's frame of government. This certification is published in the Federal Register and United States statutes at large and serves as official notice to Congress and to the nation that the ratification process has been successfully completed. Ratified Amendments The Constitution has 27 amendments. Structurally, the Constitution's original text and all prior amendments remain untouched. The precedent for this practice was set in 1789, when Congress considered and proposed the first several constitutional amendments. Among these, Amendments 1 through 10 are collectively known as the Bill of Rights, and amendments 13 through 15 are known as the Reconstruction Amendments. Excluding the 27th Amendment, which was pending before the states for 202 years, 225 days, the longest pending amendment that was successfully ratified was the 22nd Amendment, which took 3 years, 343 days. The 26th Amendment was ratified in the shortest time, 100 days. The average ratification time for the first 26 amendments was 1 year. 252 days, for all 27, 9 years, 48 days. Safeguards of Liberty, Amendments 1, 2, and 3. The First Amendment, 1791, prohibits Congress from obstructing the exercise of certain individual freedoms freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of assembly, and right to petition. Its Free Exercise Clause guarantees a person's right to hold whatever religious beliefs they want, and to freely exercise that belief and its Establishment Clause prevents the federal government from creating an official national church or favoring one set of religious beliefs over another. The amendment guarantees an individual's right to express and to be exposed to a wide range of opinions and views. It was intended to ensure a free exchange of ideas, even unpopular ones. It also guarantees an individual's right to physically gather or associate with others in groups for economic, political or religious purposes. Additionally, it guarantees an individual's right to petition the government for a redress of grievances. The Second Amendment, 1791, protects the right of individuals to keep and bear arms. Although the Supreme Court has ruled that this right applies to individuals, not merely to collective militias, it has also held that the government may regulate or place some limits on the manufacture, ownership and sale of firearms or other weapons. Requested by several states during the constitutional ratification debates, The amendment reflected the lingering resentment over the widespread efforts of the British to confiscate the colonists' firearms at the outbreak of the Revolutionary War. Patrick Henry had rhetorically asked, Shall we be stronger, when we are totally disarmed, and when a British guard shall be stationed in every house? The Third Amendment, 1791, prohibits the federal government from forcing individuals to provide lodging to soldiers in their homes during peacetime without their consent. Requested by several states during the constitutional ratification debates, the amendment reflected the lingering resentment over the quartering acts passed by the British Parliament during the Revolutionary War, which had allowed British soldiers to take over private homes for their own use. Safeguards of Justice, Amendments 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. The Fourth Amendment, 1791, protects people against unreasonable searches and seizures of either self or property by government officials. A search can mean everything from a frisking by a police officer or to a demand for a blood test to a search of an individual's home or car. A seizure occurs when the government takes control of an individual or something in his or her possession. Items that are seized often are used as evidence when the individual is charged with a crime. It also imposes certain limitations on police investigating a crime and prevents the use of illegally obtained evidence at trial. The Fifth Amendment, 1791, Establishes the requirement that a trial for a major crime may commence only after an indictment has been handed down by a grand jury, protects individuals from double jeopardy, being tried and put in danger of being punished more than once for the same criminal act, prohibits punishment without due process of law, thus protecting individuals from being imprisoned without fair procedures, and provides that an accused person may not be compelled to reveal to the police, prosecutor, judge, or jury any information that might incriminate or be used against him or her in a court of law. Additionally, the Fifth Amendment also prohibits the government from taking private property for public use without just compensation, the basis of eminent domain in the United States. The Sixth Amendment, 1791, provides several protections and rights to an individual accused of a crime. The accused has the right to a fair and speedy trial by a local and impartial jury. Likewise, a person has the right to a public trial. This right protects defendants from secret proceedings that might encourage abuse of the justice system, and serves to keep the public informed. This amendment also guarantees a right to legal counsel if accused of a crime, guarantees that the accused may require witnesses to attend the trial and testify in the presence of the accused, and guarantees the accused a right to know the charges against them. In 1966, the Supreme Court ruled that, with the Fifth Amendment, this amendment requires what has become known as the Miranda Warning. The Seventh Amendment, 1791, extends the right to a jury trial to federal civil cases, and inhibits courts from overturning a jury's findings of fact. Although the Seventh Amendment itself says that it is limited to suits at common law, meaning cases that trigger the right to a jury under English law, the amendment has been found to apply in lawsuits that are similar to the old common law cases. For example, the right to a jury trial applies to cases brought under federal statutes that prohibit race or gender discrimination in housing or employment. Importantly, This amendment guarantees the right to a jury trial only in federal court, not in state court. The Eighth Amendment, 1791, protects people from having bail or fines set at an amount so high that it would be impossible for all but the richest defendants to pay and also protects people from being subjected to cruel and unusual punishment. Although this phrase originally was intended to outlaw certain gruesome methods of punishment, it has been broadened over the years to protect against punishments that are grossly disproportionate to or too harsh for the particular crime. This provision has also been used to challenge prison conditions such as extremely unsanitary cells, overcrowding, insufficient medical care and deliberate failure by officials to protect inmates from one another. An enumerated rights and reserved powers, Amendments 9 and 10. The Ninth Amendment, 1791, declares that individuals have other fundamental rights, in addition to those stated in the Constitution. During the constitutional ratification debates anti-federalists argued that a Bill of Rights should be added. The Federalists opposed it on grounds that a list would necessarily be incomplete but would be taken as explicit and exhaustive, thus enlarging the power of the federal government by implication. The Anti-Federalists persisted, and several state ratification conventions refused to ratify the Constitution without a more specific list of protections, so the First Congress added what became the Ninth Amendment as a compromise. Because the rights protected by the Ninth Amendment are not specified, they are referred to as enumerated. The Supreme Court has found that an enumerated rights include such important rights as the right to travel, the right to vote, the right to privacy, and the right to make important decisions about one's health care or body. The Tenth Amendment, 1791, was included in the Bill of Rights to further define the balance of power between the federal government and the states. The amendment states that the federal government has only those powers specifically granted by the Constitution. These powers include the power to declare war, to collect taxes, to regulate interstate business activities and others that are listed in the articles or in subsequent constitutional amendments. Any power not listed is, says the Tenth Amendment, left to the states or the people. While there is no specific list of what these reserved powers may be, the Supreme Court has ruled that laws affecting family relations, commerce within a state's own borders, and local law enforcement activities, are among those specifically reserved to the states or the people. Governmental Authority, Amendments 11, 16, 18, and 21. The 11th Amendment, 1795, specifically prohibits federal courts from hearing cases in which a state is sued by an individual from another state or another country, thus extending to the state's sovereign immunity protection from certain types of legal liability. Article 3, Section 2, Clause 1 has been affected by this amendment, which also overturned the Supreme Court's decision in Chisholm v. Georgia, 1793. The 16th Amendment, 1913, removed existing constitutional constraints that limited the power of Congress to lay and collect taxes on income. Specifically, the apportionment constraints delineated in Article 1, Section 9, Clause 4 have been removed by this amendment, which also overturned an 1895 Supreme Court decision, in Pollock v. Farmer's Loan and Trust Company, that declared an unapportioned federal income tax on rents, dividends, and interest unconstitutional. This amendment has become the basis for all subsequent federal income tax legislation and has greatly expanded the scope of federal taxing and spending in the years since. The 18th Amendment, 1919, prohibited the making, transporting, and selling of alcoholic beverages nationwide. It also authorized Congress to enact legislation enforcing this prohibition. Adopted at the urging of a national temperance movement, proponents believed that the use of alcohol was reckless and destructive and that prohibition would reduce crime and corruption, solve social problems, decrease the need for welfare in prisons, and improve the health of all Americans. During Prohibition, it is estimated that alcohol consumption and alcohol-related deaths declined dramatically. But Prohibition had other, more negative consequences. The amendment drove the lucrative alcohol business underground, giving rise to a large and pervasive black market. In addition, Prohibition encouraged disrespect for the law and strengthened organized crime. Prohibition came to an end in 1933, when this amendment was repealed. The 21st Amendment, 1933, repealed the 18th Amendment and returned the regulation of alcohol to the states. Each state sets its own rules for the sale and importation of alcohol, including the drinking age. Because a federal law provides federal funds to states that prohibit the sale of alcohol to minors under the age of 21, all 50 states have set their drinking age there. Rules about how alcohol is sold vary greatly from state to state. The text of this podcast is sourced from the Wikipedia Foundation under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The written text has been altered for voice presentation. To view the modified and original text versions visit the legalpages.com. The content of this podcast is presented for informational purposes only, and is not intended to be legal or professional advice. The Wikipedia Foundation is not affiliated with this podcast.